Hi, and welcome to the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kukowski. And I'm Rachel Stukenborg. And today we're introducing a whole new series called Twi-Fight. Now I know you may be a little bit confused as to what exactly this podcast is. On the one hand, it's going to be a chapter-by-chapter reread of the Twilight books, but it's also going to be a discussion on both the merits and the pitfalls of the series as a whole. Since these books and the Twilight fandom in general are so polarizing, we thought it might be fun to revisit this book series from everyone's middle school days and look at it from both sides. This podcast is for really anyone if you love the books but might want to understand why some people criticize it. Or for those of you who have never liked the books and can't understand why it ever had any hype or continues to have hype. Or anyone in between who just wants to listen to a discussion following both sides of the argument. So for some background, both Rachel and I have read all four Twilight books before, but whereas I can completely respect and understand why so many people love these stories, Rachel has a little bit of a different attitude. Yeah, I am more of the opinion that the series is not great, which (laughs) could just be my personal taste, but when I finished reading them way back in middle school years, I remember I felt like I had wasted a good few hours of my life or days. I was not a fast reader. But that being said, I do appreciate the story in one regard. It's pretty fun to make fun of. Exactly. And we will definitely be doing some of that, both of us making fun of this. I think we're both probably going to say some positive things, probably both going to say some negative things. In general, though, I'm going to try to come from more positive stance and Rachel will be the negative side. We're not really going to be trying to convince each other to side with our feelings, but we're going to bring up key points about both and just really see in this series if we can understand where the other person's coming from. So let's jump right in to Twi-Fight. Every morning when I wake up, I ask myself if I'm Team Edward or Team Jacob, but a part of me says that Okay, so what we're going to do structurally is go through the first two episodes in this podcast. Generally, we're going to break down probably two episodes at a time for each one, unless there's like a really good chapter that deserves our full attention, but we don't need to be doing this for like the next eight years, so we can break it up a little bit differently. We're going to be spoiling things along the way, so if you've never read Twilight, we're going to try really hard not to just like jump and talk about the ending of this book or of the series, but there might be some some things that come up that are interesting to talk about, like with respect of knowing what's going to happen later. So we're just going to say at a bare minimum, we expect that everybody has some familiarity with Twilight, knows, for example, that it's a teen drama about vampires. So if yeah. you didn't know that, spoilers, that doesn't come up until like chapter six or something, but <laughs> oh well, we're just going to tell you right now. So if you if you were expecting a spoiler-free thing, this is not exactly the right place. Look, Twilight came out in 2005, so you've had 15 years to to read this book. And if you haven't, then I mean, still listen to the podcast. We just might spoil some things for you. It'll still be fun, I think. If you haven't learned that Edward is a vampire at this point, you've been living under a rock, so. Yeah, I feel like at that point, <laughs> it's kind of like there are some pop culture things that like people who don't know about it still know. Everybody knows that Darth Vader's Luke's father, even if they <gasps> haven't what? seen Star Wars. Okay, sh- whatever. <laughs> exactly. So I think that this is kind of just a given here. We're going to be going through and doing this. Let's real quick talk a little bit about our our backgrounds with Twilight because I think 
Okay, so here's the thing about Twilight. I get that it is not looked at super fondly. There's this really great YouTube video that came out a couple years ago by Lindsay Ellis. If anybody ever watched like the Nostalgia Chick videos, that's who this is. She's, yeah, she's really great on YouTube. And so if you look up Lindsay Ellis, she made a video two years ago called Dear Stephanie Meyer. And I think it's a really, really good take at like why people hate Twilight. So I know that that's going to be part of Rachel's stance throughout this whole thing. But and, and not just like the books or the movies, but the series really as a whole and the franchise. And so I'm going to say here, my my understanding is that people as a culture just hate teenage girls. And I don't Oof. mean that in like a like a bad way. I, I really mean that like a we like we all kind of hate on teenage girls. We hate their stupid clothes. We hate the way they talk. We hate the things they're obsessed with. We hate their stores. I mean, like if you go to a mall and you're not a teenage girl and you walk by like a limited two or something, I don't even know if limited two exists anymore. I know they say that. But that was the spot in our day. Yeah. 17 magazine, you know, the whole Edward, team Edward, team Jacob Mm -hmm. thing. And and so a lot of her video sort of breaks down why we do that, but also why that's not, why that's not, it's not the same for guys in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think that Twilight is something that is exclusively for girls. I definitely think it's targeted towards girls, but I knew a lot of guys who read Twilight. Yeah, agreed. And now that you're saying all this, I'm feeling a little guilty because I'm realizing that I'm kind of doing the same thing because right now a lot of teenage girls are like sure they're so pretty like (laughs) they're so pretty these days and I find myself being mad that I didn't get to be a pretty middle schooler and like all these girls on TikTok just look amazing you know why why does that make me mad I don't know I'm just jealous I'm a jealous 24 year old I guess I mean part of that is jealousy part of it is you know we hate on a lot of this kind of thing we hate on you know Disney Channel for fun like and I'm not saying me exclusively but just like us as a culture I think that's like a thing that people do and what's interesting about it is that we don't necessarily look at guys the same way like think of bad movies or bad franchises things that are likable and maybe successful but objectively bad the Transformers movies are typically picked on for being like bad movies Mm -hmm. right oh the dialogue's bad or oh the action sequences are confusing much in the same way that people pick on Twilight oh the dialogue's (laughs) bad or you things are cheesy or whatever but usually the excuse you get for guy stuff is like oh but you know but it was a fun ride so it's fine oh it's dumb but it's fun and I don't know why we don't look at Twilight the same way like yeah you don't have to personally like it it's dumb but it's fun mm-hmm. and I I know a lot of people even friends of mine like in college they almost wore it as a badge of honor they're like oh I haven't read Twilight mm. Ooh. or like oh I hate Twilight I don't like I like Harry Potter but I don't like Twilight <laughs> and I think it's I've been for part of my life I was like secretly like oh I like Twilight yeah. I was never crazy obsessed I didn't have posters or anything mm-hmm. but I've come around to a point in my life where I'm like no I'm standing up for Twilight because I think there's a lot about it that's really great. I appreciate that. It's like, I definitely remember that. There was a bitterness about Twilight. Mm -hmm. If you like Twilight, you are, you are weird. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) I'm from the con side. I I don't think it's great, but it's just a fun story at the end of the day. It's just a story about a teenage girl falling in love with a vampire. And is that really, does that have to be a bitter, bitter argument? No. And I'm not going to argue that the writing is good. Like, I think it's passable. There's certainly books out there. If I wanted to make a podcast on teen books that have come out more recently, <laughs> City of Bones, that I think are really, really bad and, like, do not have any excusable, uh, I don't know, 
like positive sides, then I would make it about those. But I don't think that it's the worst thing that's ever been written. I think that some of the sentences, people have described it as like, oh, it seems like a high school student who's holding a thesaurus trying to sound smart. Mm. And, and, and like, I can see where you would have some of those critiques. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think that it's just kind of harmless. It's it's fun. It's not. A, a lot of the big critiques you hear about it are more so about the franchise as a whole, the love over Twilight, the posters, the t-shirts, the movies, especially. And so that's why I also want to note that we're going to be talking about the books here. We'll cover the movies eventually. Probably we'll do like read one book and then go through the movie and then next book, next movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about them. They'll come up. But I think that you'll find that a lot of your memories of what is bad about Twilight are actually more about the movies rather than the books itself. I think the characters in the book are very different than the way they're portrayed in the movies and mostly for the better in the books. So so we can talk about that more too. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. Because I, when I see Bella, I see Kirsten Stewart making that like yeah. lip bitey face. Right. <laughs> and, and that's an image that I think a lot of us have. So I think one thing that you might want to try to do while you're reading it is try not to picture the movie. See, because I'm curious to know if you ever get to a point where you're not thinking about the movie. I've always been a person who, even like reading Harry Potter, things that have such a physical presence in in the media of, of what the characters look like and stuff, I always pictured them differently. I Even after seeing the movies, mm-hmm. I would read the books and, and it, there's just a different image in my mind. Yeah. So I definitely get that, especially for Bella and Edward, maybe not as much for some of the other characters. I think some of the casting was good. I, I think it's more like the acting choices that are yes. confusing because another thing I will point out, poor Robert Pattinson, he's a really good actor in a lot of other <laughs> movies. He just was in The Lighthouse and, and stuff, which was really good. They so. just had to make him say, hold on, spider monkey. Oh, we'll get to that when we get to the movie <laughs> movie podcast. So let's go through real quick and just talk about our individual backgrounds. Like, Rachel, when did you read this book for the first time? I think I read it in middle school when it was really popular. I remember like having to wait a while to get a copy of the book because it had been checked out for so long from the library. I had to wait like five people to get it. And you weren't going to buy your own. Oh, no. Oh, no. I was in middle school. I had no money for that. After I got it, after all those people read it and I read the whole thing, I was like, this is what all this hype was about. Even in middle school, when we were supposed to be into that sappy twihards, and there was some sappy twihards into, but like even middle school, I couldn't do it, man. I could not get on board the Twilight hype train. So I'm trying to see. Okay, the first book came out in 2005, and the movie was in 2008. And I know I read the book before the movie came out, but I'm pretty sure they were filming the movie when I was reading the book. Like I had heard it was going to be made into a movie soon. And the reason I vividly remember the reason I read it was because our mutual friend Anna was reading it in class and she was like halfway through the book and I was reading the first couple pages like she'd hold up half the book Aww. and read the other pages and we were reading it together in the back was of science class. Was that in homeroom? Oh, in science. You yeah, weren't paying attention. I know. I remember this and yeah, so we were reading this book and I think it was in seventh grade because I'm trying to picture my science class. I think it was in seventh grade so that was 2008. So it might have been, I don't know, when the movie came out and sometime in 2008. Whatever. Yeah, so it was, it was like a really big deal at the time that I was reading it. I'm trying to remember. I guess I had to wait for the other books. Did I have to wait for any of the other books to be published or had they all come out? The second one was already out. I feel like I, when I started reading it, Breaking Dawn had like just come out. Let's see. Breaking Dawn came out in August of 2008. So possibly, possibly Breaking Dawn had not come out yet when I was reading it, but I had read the first, like the first three were out. So I didn't have to wait, which is, it's just funny thinking about like the other series that I read now that I had to wait 
wait like a year between each book coming out. So I guess these had all come out, but they were, they were the popularity was still new because a lot of the really big popularity happened when the movie came out. But the movie came out and then I, yeah, the movie came out and then I remember doing with our friend Anna again. I wonder if you were there in our school library, middle school, during lunch one day, they did a Twilight trivia contest and the winner would get a poster. I was I'm there. I'm trying to remember if you win. I was there because I was on the yearbook committee and I had to take pictures of it, but I wasn't That's participating. Right. That's right. <laughs> you couldn't catch me there for anything. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. So I remember me and Anna won and I can't remember what the prize was beyond we got a poster of the movie. And so either the movie had just come out or was about to come out. So we got a poster of the movie, but it was like the kind of poster that's in the back of like a magazine or a newspaper. Like it was folded up. It was it's just got all on, the creases on, on it. They got yeah, it for free. Yeah, it was just like on normal paper. <laughs> right. But I remember vividly that two of the questions were, and they're answered in these first couple chapters, were what is the scent of her shampoo and how many students went to Forks High School. And so I knew both of those. I can't even remember. We might have even like been able to have the books with us and search through the books and it was just like who could buzz in the fastest or something. Anyway. Tweet in your answers to those trivia questions and win the original Twilight poster <laughs> from Mary's eighth grade trivia Twilight competition. Do you still have it? I have it somewhere. It's I think it probably has a rip in it because it was oh, hanging up better. in my closet for a long time. Like I didn't I didn't hang it up. It, it didn't dare go on my walls in my room, <laughs> but I, I had it for a while. Anyway, my point is that I was a fan, but I, I never like I never had a t-shirt. I definitely went to all the movies even. I don't know if I went to the midnight premieres, but it was like the day of or, or maybe the night of premieres. I, I definitely went to all of them and it was a big deal. And my mom got really into them because after after the first, after, I think it was after all the books came out, I had my mom read them and she went out and she bought them. So the reason I have copies of them is actually because she went to Target and like bought all the copies. Nice. And uh, fun fact for anyone reading this, if you're like reading it online, but you want to read it in real copy, go to any Goodwill ever. <laughs> they have a copy of every single book, I promise. And they're a dollar to two dollars. Oh my God. That's literally where I got mine when we decided to do this podcast. Yeah. I went to Goodwill and I found it. Like no problem. I found multiple copies of it actually. Oh yeah. You can, you can find them anywhere. And so definitely recommend that. But yeah, my mom went to Target and bought all of them like new. And I remember after the first movie came out, we were like talking to my dad about it. My mom's like, we got to go home and make him watch Twilight. We rented it on Amazon or something and watched it. Or maybe we even went to the store and bought the DVD. Who knows? But we, we like made him watch it. And it was a big deal for me, especially not as much this book, but especially the later books, particularly the second one, like really, I don't know, hit me hard. Like I felt very attached to it. Mm. So we'll get to that, you know, in like 12 plus weeks. <laughs> anyway, so we can, we can stop talking about this and actually dive in. I just wanted to give some upfront. Anything else you want to say before we dive in? I don't think so. I I think I should say it has been a long, long time since I've read this. And I think in a way that's good because I'm kind of coming at this with new eyes. I have like my old perception in the back of my head. But like you said, a lot of that perception is probably from the movies. But it'll be good to like kind of come at it with new eyes and see if that's changed. I don't know. Yeah. I'm open to change. You know me. And don't add us, anyone listening. Like whether you hate it, whether you like it, this is all c- coming from a place of love in some way. Like we're going to pick on things and we're we're going to nitpick stuff and we're also going to talk about things that we like and and that's just how it is. I feel like you can't you can't really pick on things without kind of liking it a little bit, you know? Like we're doing it and it's in good taste. It's not like, oh, let's let's just hate on th- I'm saying this. Rachel's like, "No, we're just hating on it." <laughs> <laughs> no. It's like like I said in the beginning, it's fun to make fun of. And I right. you know, it's good to have things in your life that are fun to make fun of. You know when you just want to watch like a really really bad movie cuz 
because like, yes. it's just fun. It's like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, right? it's like that for me. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure we'll get into lots of different things that have spun off from Twilight at later points. Fun fact about this podcast, we actually recorded this podcast two years ago. Not not what you're listening to, but we had originally recorded this podcast. Was it two or three years ago? It was a while ago. I think it was three years ago. I think it, it might have been three years right ago. Right after we graduated from undergrad. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, so it was like three <laughs> years ago and we had recorded the first two episodes of the first four chapters and then we decided not even to go back to those. We're just going to start again because it's mm-hmm. been so long. I forgot everything. Yeah, I've, okay. So that's good. So we re- we're rereading it. So we're going to go through and just like quickly break down the chapters and then talk about some more fun plot points here. So let's start with the epigraph that's at the beginning because yeah, this book has one. Yes, it does. Which means this book is legit because right. the epigraph is a Bible verse. Yeah, you want to read it? Sure thing. Genesis 2.17 But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I feel like it's a little bit pretentious to put a Bible verse at the beginning of your book. I mean, maybe it's classic, maybe it's pretentious. Dante's Inferno, sure. Put a Bible verse in the front. Twilight, I don't know, man. If your story involves a high school love story, I think I think maybe you don't need an epigraph at all. Maybe. I don't know. I was always, so I'm a completionist. So before I would read a book, I like read through the table of contents, read the dedication, read the epigraph, read the preface, like read everything that was at the beginning. And so it stood out to me. I I don't really have like a particularly religious background. So I don't, I mean, I assume this is like Adam and Eve, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Genesis. That's the beginning. Correct. Is that the first part? First chapter of the Bible. Yes. Wait, (laughs) there's not other chapters. I don't know. It's been so long. They're called books, Books. right? Yeah. I I don't actually know. Anyway. But what it does tie mostly into is like the cover because there's an apple on the cover. I do know that the fruit of the of the tree is is an apple right yeah yeah oh my god i'm just putting that together (laughs) (laughs) okay it's because i was always like why this title relates to nothing but the cover of all the books really doesn't have a whole lot to do with them actually especially the second one i'm looking at it now it's a flower we'll get to that later so it's like two hands holding an apple i think the twilight book covers because they're kind of simplistic and they're just like black and white and red nowadays you go into any bookstore and you'll see like tons and tons of books doing this similar kind of simplistic any of the teen drama what are they called in the library what's that section called it's not called teen but young adult right young (laughs) adult books i feel like they copied off of twilight and i know twilight probably wasn't the first to do this but i definitely think it was kind of a forerunner into Mm -hmm. bringing this into like how all the books need to be Mm -hmm. they're they're just like kind of simplistic like even even like hunger games it was like each book just had the the bird thing oh yeah the The mocking jay yeah the mocking jay (laughs) right but yeah, I kind of like the cover. I guess it's like temptation. True. I like. Or like evil. I like I don't the know. theme, you know, black and white and red because like blood. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Also, Edward is totally the forbidden fruit. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and say that. Definitely. So then there's a really short preface that's like half a page. The main line that sticks out to me here is when life offers you a dream so far beyond any of your expectations, it's not reasonable to grieve when it comes to an end. The reason this sticks with me is because when I was in high school, I remember for a couple years, like 11th and 12th grade, my motto, and it's not like a motto I necessarily said out loud, but just in my head was like, I'm only going to look at the positive side of things. I'm not going to like dwell on stuff. I used to 
to think in my head that the good is good and everything else is gravy is the way I used to phrase it. <laughs> oh my god, I remember you saying that. Yeah, okay, so maybe I guess I did say it. And but then like but then bad things like just aren't gonna matter. We're not gonna care about that. And I know that's not exactly what this quote is saying, but it just reminds me of it. If something good happens, don't don't like get mad when it's over. Just like try to enjoy the good times. That's interesting that that quote stuck out to you in that way because it stuck out to me too as like an unhealthy way <laughs> to go about life. <laughs> oh, I kind of think that the way, well, let's just say that my motto of the good is good and everything else is gravy mm-hmm. came back to bite me in the mm-hmm. butt a lot mm-hmm. because sometimes when things are negative, you should probably bring them up and not just scooch them to the side and pretend they don't exist. Exactly. I do vividly remember that reading this for the first time, because like we're saying now, everybody knows that Edward's a vampire, even if you haven't read the book. But for the first time reading this, I don't think I knew that. Mm. I I can't remember. I'm sure my friend Anna was like, oh, it's a book about vampires or something. But I don't remember knowing that right away. And of course, in the preface, it doesn't say any names. But I definitely thought that the hunter was going to be Edward. Like when I got a little farther into like the first or second chapter. And so this always confused me. And here we're going to pop into a new segment that I've decided to call Merry Misinterpretations, which is lines that I vividly remember like misinterpreting when I read it the first time and not and not just because like I didn't know what was happening but just because I read the sentence wrong so there's a line here that says surely it was a good way to die in the place of someone else someone I loved noble even and for some reason I thought that meant like that she was being killed by someone she loved <laughs> and I, I don't know and so that's why I assumed the hunter was like someone she loved and so when I got farther in the book I was like oh yes he's gonna kill her in the end oh, which maybe yes. is what they like wanted you to think but that's I don't know I I just read that line right and like now reading it not only with knowing what happened in the book but like clearly it's saying that she's like like saving someone yeah that she's she's dying in place she's sacrificing Mm -hmm. herself in place of someone which is what the sentence says it's just as I misinterpret it maybe that was on maybe it was like slightly confusing on purpose I don't know I don't don't think I I interpreted that that way I'm sorry but when I first reading it though like I think you're you're made to think this is Edward because it's like he's a vampire and vampires do that thing where they like suck your blood uh-huh so maybe she's dying in place of like a family member because she brought this vampire into her house i don't know yeah and then he turned bad yeah i don't know also i wasn't super into vampires or anything i mean no one was until twilight came True. out really but i had seen the disney channel movie my mom's got a date with the vampire wait what <laughs> Yeah, that was a movie. Okay, scratch this podcast. I want to hear about My Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. We'll do that on my Disney Channel original movie podcast, which, by the way, is a (laughs) podcast that I've contemplated doing. So let me know on Twitter if that's something you'd be interested in. (laughs) Anything else on the preface or preface, as I also used to say? Preface. (laughs) I think it sets it up to be like a cool, dark, macabre love story, which is, I don't know, something that middle schoolers are into, I guess. So did you read the back of the book? Like, do you remember reading the back of the book before you read the book? Maybe. I think by the time I was reading it, I kind of knew what it was about. Because the back of the book, it's pretty iconic, actually. I feel like a lot of people know this. It says, about three things I was absolutely positive. By the way, I also remember misinterpreting that to being like around three things I was positive, not like about these things. Anyway, about the three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how dominant that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Also thought that word was irrevocably. Wait, is it not? 
That's literally how I say that word. Irrevocably. Okay, I'll stop now. Irrevocably. I'm digging my yeah, own hole. It's fine. I did not know this until the movie came out and they said it that way. Mm. I was like, oh, that's how you pronounce it? Whoops. Always pronounce things the way that Kirsten Stewart does. It's a good way to go about life. Yes. Deeply seductive and extraordinarily suspenseful. Twilight is a love story with a bite. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So I definitely read that first and now I try to not read the back of books because it's actually just like a line from the book. Right. You'll get there. Spoilers. I like to spoil myself. Yeah, this is a big spoiler. But I guess like, if it's just like, oh, high school love story, it wouldn't bring in as many readers. So, you know, I say that I don't like to spoil myself. But another weird thing I did was I used to also read the last line of a book oh, before man. I read the book. Like the very like, just last, the last line sentence. of the last chapter. Yeah, just the last Did sentence. you want to know if it was a happy ending or not? No, I, I just, I thought it would be fun to like try and guess throughout the book, like what it was. Cause usually it was something that wasn't something that you could really even guess. Hmm, okay. I'm not going to read out loud in case anybody doesn't want to be spoiled uh, <laughs> jumping ahead, but it's not, I mean, it's not that interesting. I can read it though. Suckers. Okay, here we go. Ooh. Ooh, I know what it is. You all have to yeah, wait. Yeah, okay. So everyone on their own can flip to the back of their books and read the last <laughs> line silently or just if you so continue listening choose. to our podcast. Or you can read it out loud. We're not going to hear because podcast is a one-way medium. That's true. Okay, so let's get into this first chapter, which is called First Sight. Ooh. Basically, we're introduced to our heroine, protagonist, sure. main character. I don't our know. Bella. Our Bella. Oh, <laughs> our little Bella. And she's, she's moving. Moving, and we don't really know why, but she's going home to her dad's house. We don't find out why until the second chapter. Yeah. But spoilers, since this podcast is on both chapters, she's, her mom got married and she doesn't want to like hold her mom down from traveling. So she's going to yeah. go live with her dad in a town in Washington called Forks that she hates. And she's from Phoenix, Arizona, and she loves right. the sun and she hates rain. And Forks is the, the city in the U.S. that gets the most rainfall in the year, the most yes. annual rainfall. And her mom, she married a like pro baseball player or something yes so he's always traveling and bella felt bad that her mom couldn't travel with him and her mom repeatedly says like you don't have to move you don't have to move i'm gonna miss you i want you to stay with me but bella bella does this to herself yes she's a martyr (laughs) so she's a little bit confusing it's it's hard off the bat to sympathize with her because we don't know why she's exiling herself like all that we just said you find out throughout the chapter or into the next chapter but clearly her mom is not making her go she's kind of a confusing character because on the one hand, she clearly cares about her parents or at least her mom enough to go to Forks and not be a burden on her. But we also find out that she used to spend all this every summer for a month she would go to Forks with her dad uh, to visit her dad until she was 14 three years ago when she put her foot down. And the weird part I found is that like, so the solution was that her and her dad would spend two weeks in California for the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, Why wouldn't her dad just come visit her or her parents like that? Do they really hate each other that much that they can't see each other like two weeks does not seem like a fair trade-off for a month I know. or a year because she's with her mom for the rest of the year it i get a weird vibe about her parents yeah it's a weird and situation well, i'm sure we'll, we'll come across more of that but it seems like her parents don't really talk to each other which is fair because they're divorced but it also seems like we later learned that her dad isn't over her mom yeah which she looks at as like a negative thing which is interesting right she always feels very awkward about the fact that her dad's not over her mom which i i guess 
guess I get, but I feel like it's, I mean, I don't know. My parents are not divorced, but I wonder, like, if my parents were divorced, would I feel, wouldn't I probably, like, most kids you would think would feel like, oh, I hope they get back together. I hope they like each other. But it seems like she's just, like, wanting to move on. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it depends on the situation. It's clear she cares about both her parents a lot, and she wants them both to be happy. And at least for her mom, her happiness is being with Phil, the new husband. But with her dad, it's kind of confusing because he seems to not be over her mom. So I think she, like, doesn't really know how to help him or how to, like, how to best be there for him. I remember thinking this was a negative thing when I first read this book, but now that I've read other books, I kind of think it's a positive thing. In the beginning, you hear that her mom, her mom is described as, my mom looks like me, except with short hair and laugh lines. Except we don't know what Bella looks like at that point. So that doesn't really tell you anything. I'm still picturing Kirsten Stewart, (laughs) but with short (laughs) hair and laugh lines. (laughs) I remember thinking that was weird at first because I was thinking like, oh, does Bella not laugh? Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, well, I guess you don't really get laugh lines until you're older generally. That's true. But But it's a specific thing to say. Laugh lines versus like wrinkles, you know. Right, right. She's clearly cheerful. Clearly. But it's, we we find out later a description of Bella, which we're going to get on page 10. And I do kind of like that they spread it out and and they don't even tell us, I don't know when, if ever, they tell us that she has brown hair. I assume it happens at some point. But the way they actually describe her when we get to it is she's slender but soft, not an athlete. She has ivory skin. She does not have red hair or blue eyes and she doesn't have blonde hair. So that's where we're left to believe it's brown. (laughs) That's just where we got. And then she says she has good, clear skin, which the first time I read this, didn't get it, but then I, I clear is like no mm. acne, I guess. And then she says it's almost translucent, which I've never been able to picture. I like don't know what that means. Well, it's clearly a thing that they put in because like a vampire is going to be around and want to like see oh, her blood, but it's just like okay. a weird thing to say. That's what I was going to say. Like translucent, like you can see her veins through her skin. Yeah, was she real vascular? Like it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Got them vascular veins. Yeah. And it says that she's pallid. She says she doesn't look like she's from Arizona. And she says all this as a way of like, I'm not going to fit in because I don't look like I'm from Arizona. But like, you you sound like exactly like someone who would grow up in a dreary town in, in Washington, like being pale. I think she's more worried about being judged for not being tan and sporty coming from Arizona. I, I don't know. All, all, all I'm noticing is that I'm reading a lot of this going like, mm, kind of sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. And I know that that's another critique Twilight gets is that it's supposed to be like a plug and chug where you can easily fit yourself into the story, which is another thing I'm going to argue against because (laughs) she's very clumsy. She describes herself as being clumsy, not relating to people and being unlucky. These are all also things we get about her, which I don't know. I mean, maybe someone being a little clumsy is kind of relatable. I'm just not, I'm not personally very clumsy. I don't know. Yeah, there's being clumsy and then there's being Bella. Bella, oh my (laughs) god. I'm, uh, okay, we're going to go into one of my segments called Bella's Potato Count. And this this is the number of times in- It's how many potatoes she makes? No. She makes potatoes. She does make potatoes, but that's not what this is about. This is about the number of times Bella does something that turns her into a potato of a person. Can we also count how many times she makes potatoes? Yeah, sure. Because that definitely happens. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although, actually, I do want to, I'm going to count this. We're going to, sorry, pause on your potato count segment. Sure. We'll come back to that. I do want to count how many meals she makes because I do think she actually makes a lot of meals. Okay. In, in like, there's a surprising number of chapters or, or paragraphs dedicated just to food. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can have Bella human potato count, Bella meal potato count, and then just total Bella meal count because she does a lot of yeah, cooking. I'm just going to do a, a meal count. Okay. okay. You, uh, you go ahead and talk about <laughs> Talk about more potato stuff while I take notes on this. There are just so many times when Bella does something that you're just like, come on, girl. I know you have it in you to do just a little bit better than this. And like, you know, being clumsy is fine, but she is over, over the top. And I feel like Stephanie Meyer is trying to make her into this like endearing, different character, but it's too much. I can't. So moving to our potato count. The first potato count is when she's talking about having to do gym in high school. I didn't have the necessary hand-eye coordination to play sports without humiliating myself and harming both myself and anyone else who's stood too close. That's, that yep. comes from page 10. So anytime she plays sports, she's harming people. <laughs> like, you gotta be just seriously out of control to hurt someone playing high school gym sports. And, and not to, like, really bury our friend Anna here, but Anna did give someone a concussion playing lacrosse once. <laughs> I'm just gonna bring that up. But she was really good at lacrosse. She was not clumsy. She was just really aggressive and really good at <laughs> lacrosse, though. I did not know that. We'll have to send Anna this podcast. We will. We've mentioned her twice now. Good job, Anna. <laughs> yeah. Friend of Twifight. A friend of Twifight. Second potato count. It's when she gets to one of her first classes. I stammered, I blushed, and tripped over my own boots on the way to the seat. Tripping is fine, but that's not the first trip. Well, it's also just the fact that it's like she's stammering, blushing, and tripping. Yeah. She's doing all not just one of these things. It's a whole lot of potatoing around. Third potato count. This is all in chapter one. I stumbled over a book in the walkway and had to catch myself on the edge of a table. The girl sitting there giggled. Okay, so she tripped in two of her new classes. Like, yeah, that's... Day one, two trips. That's bad. <laughs> Potato count four. Remembering how many injuries I had sustained and inflicted playing volleyball, I felt faintly nauseated. This is when she was told she had to play volleyball in gym. Again, with the injuring people in gym. Like, girl, <laughs> how? How are you yeah. injuring that many people in volleyball? Maybe just, like, learn to play it so that you're not so bad. Right. Okay, so we're up to four potato counts in it's chapter four one. potatoes. You could feed a family of four just in chapter one. So we'll come back to chapter two potatoes in, in a little bit. Let's let's finish up with chapter one. So she's moved to this new town. We get some descriptions of like, detailed descriptions of how exactly she gets there, like taking planes and driving and all this. And I've, I knew that Forks is a real place, but this is the first time I've read this book probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe like four times all the way through. I'm not, I'm not really sure. One one thing about Twilight that I like is it's it's always kind of jumped out at me as like a it's like a dreary book. Like it's the kind of book you read in the winter or when it's raining outside and you like curl up and read it. There were definitely a couple of times when I, I didn't even read the book. I would just take all of the books and go through and read my favorite parts. So just like, like skim through certain chapters. So I've, I've read it multiple times, but I never bothered to actually like look up on a map where Forks was and like how close it was to Seattle and and stuff like that, which I think it's mostly just because Washington always seemed so far away to me that it was just like a different world. I didn't really care. Mm. But my brother now lives in Seattle, so I have actually been there and have some more familiarity. Not only is Forks a real place and like everything in all of the locations they mention in this book are real places, like restaurants they go to, we'll get to it later, but like the beach trip that they're planning on La Push, like that's a real place. Oh, that's cool. And so I <laughs> I, I even did like directions to see <laughs> if, if it was accurate what they say, which is that it's a four-hour flight from Phoenix to Seattle, another hour in a small plane up to Port Angeles, then an hour drive down to Forks. Was it uh, That checks out, by the way. Okay. Yeah, it was actually She did her homework. 
I mean, maybe flights are different now, but the, the driving part is is correct. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So she gets there. She calls her dad Charlie. What do you think yeah. about this? I feel like, I don't know. It seems like her and her dad aren't close. So I think it would be acceptable since they don't really spend a lot of time together if he didn't want her to call him dad. He's not okay with her calling him Charlie. He wants right. to be called dad. So I feel like that that makes it a little, I don't know, weird. Because it doesn't seem like he's done anything other, anything offensive to her, any, anything that would hurt her. He's just not, yeah. they're just not very close. So I it's weird that she can't do that one thing for him. Right. I, I wonder if it's kind of a book thing of just like, we know this is going to be a character we see a lot more than her mom, who she calls mom, that maybe, I don't know, it's easier in a book to just write Charlie rather than like my dad or dad. I see, like I could, I could feel that, I guess, a little bit. And also just showing that she's maybe more mature or thinks of herself as being more mature, mm-hmm. maybe. And that she's clearly not very affectionate with him. But. I feel like it also kind of shows the high school angst, you know? Like, yeah. Mm, I'm almost an adult. I don't have to call my dad, dad, me. Yes. So he gives her a truck, which is nice. Although I do note that when this book came out in 2005, the truck was 50 or 60 years old. Like that's pretty old for a car. Yeah. I worked at a car company recently and newsflash for anyone, if your car is more than like 13 years old, it loses like, I mean, it already has lost most of its value, but it loses half of what you would assume that its value is. Right. Basically, if it's like more than 13 years old. Right. And I think they said the car was new in the the late 50s or early 60s. Right. So it's old. It's an old car. I'm like, was this a money thing? (laughs) Because cars are pretty cheap on Craigslist. Like, I feel like you could have done better. But maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just... Just because it'd be cool to have a car from the 50s or 60s. Like, imagine being a high schooler and you roll up to your high school parking lot in this big-ass, loud truck from the 50s. <laughs> I feel like that'd be kind of fun. Maybe, yeah. I guess it would. I, like, I didn't have a car in high school, so any car would be That's true. <laughs> I was never, I was never drive? super picky. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I was never super picky. And, and she even says the radio works. Mm-hmm. That's a plus. So she gets the truck from her dad's friend. I, I don't really know why. Like, I guess they don't have school buses. I, I don't I don't know. Why True. She I was bus. riding the bus until senior year. Yeah. She talks about not wanting to drive with her dad, who's a police officer, in his cruiser. So I, I guess, I guess, like, that's understandable. I personally like the way they describe forks. We'll get more into that in a minute. But it doesn't sound, like, that bad to me. I'm just not a sudden person. Like, I, I burn mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. So. It sounds pretty and she even admits that she's like this would be pretty if i were into rain and green right but I'm not for me like i like the mountains we're both from a mountainy area it sounds really nice actually yes, it does okay so here's another line that stood out to me every time i read this book it also stands out to me in the movie because it's they include the line in the movie but it's a little bit different but anyway so the line is there was only one small bathroom at the top of the stairs which i would have to share with charlie i was trying not to dwell too much on that fact Then the next paragraph starts. It's a new paragraph, but the first line is, one of the best things about Charlie is he doesn't hover. And in my mind, I thought that was still talking about the bathroom. And I was like, (laughs) oh yeah, that's good that he doesn't hover. Because here's the thing. Maybe this isn't as much a thing that guys can identify with, but I don't know about you, Rachel, but like me and my mom, like anytime, my mom would always tell us if we were like, you know, in a Walmart or like a, not even a Walmart, but like a really gross like gas station bathroom or something, she'd be like, make sure you hover. 
like don't sit on the seat. Like you either cover the seat with toilet paper uh-huh. or they have one of those little liner things. Or, or if you were in like a porta potty. potty, right? You hover. And so it's immediately after saying she's like nervous to share a bathroom with her dad. And then it says one of the best things about Charlie is he doesn't hover. And like I understand that what that's meaning is that like he left her alone so that she could unpack. He's not like just going to hang around. But when they put those sentences right next to each other, I can't help but read it like that every time. <laughs> Cracks me up. Man, that's good. I did not read it that way, but that's really funny. Oh, I'm so yeah, glad he uh, doesn't hover. <laughs> Like, oh, good thing he doesn't offer. I hear it's better for your pelvic floor muscles if you don't. Know? Well, sure. But, well, it's it's good. It's good to hover when you're in a gas station. But here's the thing about hovering. You're always going to have a little bit of splashage. <laughs> so that's why it's good that he wouldn't hover at home. Mm. Okay. Anyway. So she's she's nervous about her first day of classes, which are going to be tomorrow. Kind of weird that she flies in, like, just one day before Yeah, I thought about that, too. School. Don't you need to unpack? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Don't you need to, like, settle yeah. in? Yeah. Like, I'm just a nervous person. I would have tried to like, get my schedule emailed to me, but she waits till the first day of school uh-huh. to even do all just that. Just rolls up to the front office, like, tell me where to go. Right. So she talks about the school, which has 358 students, which is like 90 per class. Yeah. Our high school class had probably close to 400 people. Mm-hmm. Like, just in our It was 420, exactly. Grade. Was it? Yes, mm-hmm. it was. Heyo. Heyo. <laughs> so ours is obviously way bigger than that, but I, I don't know. I definitely think some of this is like plot device to just have fewer characters, which helps. Like, I think that's one thing about writing a book that I know Stephanie Meyer did a bit of research into, like, where's a place that's really rainy? Mm. Oh, great. Small town. Perfect. Mm -hmm. You know. Because I think Stephanie Meyer definitely makes a point to make every other character other than Edward and the rest of the Collins, I guess, unmemorable. She does nothing to describe their features, talks about them as if they're, like, weird or too much. Like, they're not memorable at all. Like, we, I think Mary talked about in the beginning, we started this podcast three years ago, and now we're, like, re-recording now that we are able to do it again. And um, I didn't remember any of these characters, like any of the people she meets in her high school other than Edward. They're made to be unmemorable because she wants Edward to stand out. I think there are some of that. So Rachel, have you ever tried to like write? Because I've tried writing a book like multiple times in my life and I get really bogged down in the details of like, I want to include all these different characters and trying to think of names and trying to describe them. And it gets really confusing. And now I understand like why books do this, why books and TV shows, it's like you've got your group of four friends or there's like three main characters and it's and it's because it's so much easier to just describe fewer people and keep up with fewer people that's true and that's why harry potter is a classic because there are so many memorable characters but that's for another podcast fun fact though about harry potter i was gonna bring this up anyway there's close to 300 it's like 400 students in the school wow it's small also it might not even be that many depending on how you look at it if you believe that there's only like that harry's boys dormitory is the only boys dormitory for his grade and there's like what five or six kids mm-hmm. and then you assume that there's approximately that many girls so there's like 10 per grade four Great houses time. seven grades yeah so if you do it that way i prefer to think about it like there could be multiple dormitories and there's just a lot of students we don't hear about mm. but up to you <laughs> anyway could be a small school also because i think when you just watch the movies it's like there's hundreds of students right. it's huge right? right so there's a whole lot in this whole chapter about and in the second chapter about like being afraid of standing out not getting along with other people she even says that there's like maybe there's a glitch in her brain because she doesn't identify with other people and i don't know rachel maybe you have a different perspective because both of us we went through all of our school years like from day one we, n- we were never a new kid in school mm-hmm. besides like going 
going to college, but that's not really the same thing. I, I don't feel like the new kid in a grade would ever really, really stand out. Like, oh, they're the new kid. Everyone look at them. Like, fine. Like, I don't know. I feel like that wasn't really as much of a thing. I feel like it was exciting when there was a new student because it was like, ooh, it's their story, you know? Yeah. I don't know. And it was fun to like introduce yourself and like try and bring them into your group or whatever. Well, now that I think about it, we had two new kids when we were in middle school, both of which we brought into our group of friends. I do vividly remember sixth or seventh grade me being like, oh, you can come sit with us at lunch. Like, we're going to bring you in. Yeah, I remember we're doing you that. a favor. <laughs> well, okay, I don't know about that, but I'm just more like, I want to, you know, I want to score the new kid, like, get them mm, in, on my yeah. side. Like, I remember thinking that way, but I don't know. It's also because our middle school was very clicky, like, way more than our high school was. Yeah. Our middle school was like, that's where you had, like, it was your lunch table, no extra, you no new switch friends. up or whatever. Right. You can't sit with so us. it was a big deal. But I don't, I don't feel like it was like, oh, there's multiple days of just the whole school gossiping about the new kid. No. Like, that wasn't really a thing. No, I feel like it was one day where like you see who they sit with, you know, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I remember that. And funnily enough, actually, our, our friend <laughs> was the new kid. I vividly remember asking her if she wanted to sit with us at lunch. And she said, I'm going to try out a few tables <laughs> and a few groups. Oh my I'm God. like, okay. Go shopping. But she ended up choosing us in the end. <laughs> Go shopping for middle school clicks. It was such a funny, funny thing for like a seventh grader to it say. Is. Anyway. But she didn't have any friends, like, her whole life, Bella, right? Yeah. And so she's, like, kind of nervous about that, which is a little weird. She said, quote, I didn't relate well to people my age. Maybe the truth was that I didn't relate well to people, period. <sighs> yeah, kind of depressing. She's a little Eeyore. It's not realistic. It's not. There's no one you felt that you relate to. And this is something that bugs me a lot with, like, teen dramas, especially TV shows, is just when you have things that are so unrealistic. You never have a kid who has no friends. Like, even the quote-unquote, like, weird kids or whatever, like, they would they would always have some friends. Weird kids band together. Right. <laughs> you know, we were probably we were. weird kids. <laughs> I always thought of myself as being like a normal, a normal <laughs> kid. As we'll go, I'll tell much more stories of middle school that relate to Twilight and uh, because there's a lot of them and they the definitely don't don't necessarily sound flattering of me as a person. It's okay. We've all got them. I know. It's really sad. So she goes to this first day of school and she meets lots of people. Eric, Jessica, Angela, Mike. She's got all these friends and they all are like overly friendly, want to hang out they're with her. They're super into her. Yeah. They're like, ooh, new shiny toy. And not only new shiny toy, but like we want you to be friends with us this is cool so it's fine I, I i don't know if this is exactly like there's definitely a little bit you assume of like she doesn't see herself clearly and maybe she is like more attractive or more appealing than she initially thinks especially where the guys are concerned mm. i don't know but anyway there's that there's a funny line on page 14 that says not to be worried because it's not like anyone was going to bite her mm. hey oh foreshadowing yeah that's what we call foreshadowing <laughs> I think it's funny that Forks High School, in the one place where it's, like, super rainy, has a school where it's a bunch of individual buildings you have to walk outside. Wow. It's really funny. Also, you're going to love this bit. I noticed the bricks are maroon and the carpet is orange-flecked commercial carpet. Go Hokies. Yes. Go Hokies. Maroon and orange. Go Hoax, am I right? Yes. We don't call them Hoax. That's not a thing. It's the sentiment that counts. Yes. My college colors maroon and orange. (laughs) I don't know. I like that. I note anytime a book says maroon because 
my other quote about myself is I I only wear maroon. (laughs) Another line I liked about her was, you know, people kept asking her if she was like liking forks and all that. And she says, I tried to be diplomatic, but mostly I just lied a lot. I feel like I identify with that, like in making small talk. Yeah. You try to be, uh, or if you go on like a really bad date and and you're trying to talk with someone and you know you're not really getting along, it's like, you know, you try to try to kind of say things that are not going to be horribly offensive, but also you're mostly just lying. Mm -hmm. That's rough. So then we get this introduction to the dun-dun-dun Cullen family. Kind of forgot this was in chapter one. In the cafeteria, because her schedule, English, government, trigonometry, Spanish, lunch, biology two, and PE. Sounds like a horrible day. I like how it ends on PE, though, because then you're sweaty, so like you want to leave. That'd be nice. I used to have PE right before lunch, and I would take a shower. And I was the only student in school who would take a shower. (laughs) In those nasty showers with, like, no shower curtain. Yeah, they didn't have a shower curtain. But I would I would skip most of lunch and take a shower yeah. and then meet up at the very end of lunch, grab a bag of pretzels and then nice. just like go to class and eat the pretzels. Honestly, anyway. better move to shower and get a bag of pretzels than eat a cafeteria lunch. You know, I'm not picky. I ate a lot of cafeteria okay. lunch. So Fair. whatever. So I'm just going to mention some things when we go throughout this that I really liked about some of the mundane filler that's in these books. This might sound weird, but I really like how she talks a lot about what she gets for lunch and she's going to go grocery grocery shopping. Is that in the second chapter? Maybe in the second chapter. I think it's at the end of the first chapter. I don't know why. I like some of the mundane stuff that's in here just because I find it to be relaxing. I like the small town, like just hearing what's going on. One of the things I like about this is because unlike other books that are made for teenagers nowadays, some of these big series, (coughs) City of Bones, is that the whole book seems like it takes place over like one week. And so you're supposed to care about these characters because it's just action after action after action, like thing after thing Mm -hmm. after thing. And you need to build some of this. Some of the things that people forget about these books is you think about like, oh, Bella's gonna fall in love with Edward immediately and stuff. No, throughout the first two chapters, if anything, she kind of dislikes him. She's nervous around Mm -hmm. him. She finds him creepy. He doesn't like her. She's afraid of him. Mm -hmm. But she certainly doesn't. She finds him attractive, but she's not like, she's not in love with him right away. And it's a a much slower build than people give it credit for. Yes. Movie is something else, but whatever. And that's because when she meets him, so she first sees him in the cafeteria. She sees him and all of his siblings sitting together and she notices that they are beautiful people but she also notices that like they're just kind of by themselves no one seems to like want to talk to them or be with them she kind of relates to that because she's like oh they're outsiders like me yeah they all look different but they all look beautiful she says like airbrushed pictures like renaissance oil paintings which is interesting a a way to describe someone so she asked her friend jessica who's sitting at the table with her and she says that it's Emmett and Edward Cullen and Alice Cullen and Rosalie and Jasper Hale. This is also a detail I forgot that like they're not all supposed to be Cullens. Like two of them are Hales, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because they say, and they're all together. Like they're all dating. Rosalie and Emmett are together and Jasper and Alice, which is very convenient. Wow. Small town, one family, you happen to find your soulmate. Good for you, I guess. Obviously we know the real truth. But they're all said to look older, more like college students or even teachers. And we're also going to find out that they say that Mrs. Cullen adopted the two twins, Rosalie and Jasper, when they were eight. And they say that Mr. and Mrs. Cullen are like high 20s, low 30s. So like, let's say that she was 30 and she adopted them 10 years ago. So she adopted two eight-year-olds when she's 20? That's That seems crazy to me. I, this is kind of a spoiler, but I just did some research because I was curious to know how old the characters were actually supposed to be. So Edward is supposed to be 17. Emmett is 20. Rosalie 18. Uh, 
18, Jasper's 19, Alice doesn't know, Esme is 26, and Carlisle's 23? Carlisle's 23. Just to point out, so you have a 23 to 26 year old playing like their high 20s, low 30s. I'm almost 26, and this hurts me <laughs> because I look like I could I could probably pass for, for 14. Mm-hmm. Like, easy. At the most, if someone saw me, I think that they would think I was maybe, maybe 20, mm. 21. Like, I am almost 26 and I look like a baby. Got them baby faces. Yeah. So this hurts. I get carded a lot, which is fair. I just found that was interesting what their physical ages were. Anyway, but in the book, like, some of these facts kind of just hurt. I just have to, like, try to picture them as, like, 17, which is also weird because now that I am 25, 17 seems really young. Yeah. And I can't, I can't, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to think back to when I was in high school and what, like, 17-year-olds looked like. <sighs> Bro. It's weird. Anyway, like you were saying earlier, high school students nowadays look much older. They do. Because they, they can. And then think about being in, like, third grade when fifth graders look, like, huge and old. Right. It's all, it's all relative, I guess. But I'm just thinking about Carlisle being 23 and he's, like, or supposedly 23 and he's, like, this high-ranking doctor. What? How did they hire this well, man? Doctor at school takes, like, 10 years. Well, when I say that he's 23, I mean, like, he physically is 23. I know. But he's, like, trying to pass for older. I do know that there are people in this world who are that age who could pass for, for like, 30. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's there's even people on Survivor who are, like, 20 and they look like they could easily be, you know, 28 mm-hmm. or something like that. So I definitely can see that happening. And I'm going to assume that some of the, like, intense beauty also just helps. So, like, a lot of models and stuff mm-hmm. look like they could be older. But it is, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even someone who's, like, 30 being a doctor is, like, that's young mm-hmm. for how much school you have Absolutely. to do. So anyway, that's interesting. So she meets all these people and they're just kind of being kind of awkward. They're not eating. Mm-hmm. We get some more description of them. They, they move too quickly. They speak quickly and quietly. They're they have graceful. dark black eyes. Inhuman beauty. She says in chapter two that their isolation must be by their own desire because like pe- beautiful people wouldn't just naturally be shunned like that. I, I do think the fact that there's five of them help, I guess, that like they could, they could just kind of hang right. out together. It's not super weird. They just kind of like stick with their fam. So she goes to biology class which is her last class before gym and she has to sit next to edward this is where we get the part about her tripping over a book (laughs) and so she sits next to him in class and he just like hates on her all like glares at Mm her he's super tense frozen yeah it's really intense and so a lot of this scene and the cafeteria scene there's a lot of stuff that i noted in here that don't really make sense unless you've read midnight sun now rachel do you know what midnight sun is isn't that the book that was leaked like it was never officially published oh it's like new moon from edward's perspective it's twilight from oh, edward's perspective okay if you don't know it, I, which probably most people do but if you don't know midnight sun was a book that was written right after the whole series was written and while it was still being written only half of it had had been written i think it's like chapter i don't know 12 or 13 somewhere around there is is how much she wrote and she had been sending it around to some people to read like some family friends and stuff and somehow one of those people leaked it and this pdf copy version of it basically was online and and so she just basically said like i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna write the book like fine I'm not gonna it, it got leaked i'm not gonna finish it so here you just have this first half and if you read if you ever read it when it was online um which i did everyone did it, it wasn't like completely finished like obviously it was not just was it only the first half but it wasn't like super edited but it was the whole story each of these chapters but from edward's point of view and, and there's a lot that makes so much more sense if you read it this way like it almost feels like she wrote this chapter thinking about how she was going to later write it from Edward's 
Ford's point of view. Because it's, it says things like he looked up, you know, at certain times that are kind of random and stuff. They don't really fill that in in this book. Probably before this podcast comes out, we'll have already been this date, but on August 4th, 2020, she's actually going to release the full book. No way. Yeah. Midnight Sun is coming out and the cover of it is uh, a, a pomegranate that's like sliced open. Wow. And so it kind of looks like almost like a heart, the organ a heart. Good for her. She said screw the haters. Yeah. So the full book, Midnight Sun, is actually going to be coming out probably after this podcast <laughs> happens, but we're Good recording timing. this on J- July 28th. But shortly, probably after this comes out uh, or shortly before this comes out is when it will have been released. So we could talk about that at a later point, maybe. I don't I don't know. Maybe we'll read Midnight Sun at some point. I'm down. Are we reading Fifty Shades of Grey? You know what? We totally could. I own Fifty Shades of Grey. That's a topic for another conversation. Okay. We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll circle back to that all eventually. Right. This podcast is getting long. <laughs> so yeah, so Edward is creepy, all class. Yes. He leaves and, and then she tries to go drop off her like paperwork or whatever. Um, in the main office. That she had to get signed to the main office. And he's like trying to change which class he's going to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's really awkward. She's really like, what did I do? <laughs> like, did I? Her first yeah. thought is that she smelled bad. She's like, maybe it's me. Maybe I smell bad. It's like, no, he's just a jerk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you smell fine, exactly. honey. You smell like that trivia question that we asked in the beginning. Ooh, what is yeah, it? What did she smell like? From okay. the beginning. When the poster from <laughs> middle school trivia competition. And then she goes to PE, and and she doesn't have to play volleyball. And then she uh, then she goes home. One thing that stuck out to me with the thing with Edward. She's like, wow, this guy's kind of a jerk and hates me for some reason when I've done nothing. She's still checking him out the whole time. She's like, his voice is nice. He's beautiful. Oh my god, look at his arms. But also, he's being really mean. I don't know about you, but like, if someone's being that mean, their attractiveness is just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I do think it definitely depletes a lot for Mm -hmm. me in in that case. I also think that I would, I don't know, I'm a different person than Bella, but I I would probably just be like, y'all right there? Right. Something bothering you? (laughs) Exactly. I don't know if I would just sit there in silence. I think at the very least, I think if I give him a weird look. Yeah. (laughs) Like, talk to someone near me and be like, what's his problem? (laughs) I don't know. If you're acting that rude to someone who you don't know, I don't know. You good, fam? You good, fam? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So chapter two, she goes through, like, other other days of school. Mm -hmm. She goes through the whole whole rest of the week. Edward doesn't come back. She just sits alone in biology class. He's not in the lunchroom. And before she knows he's not there, she's like, maybe I should confront him. But, you know, knowing me, I probably probably won't which is like you know right good self-awareness i guess all of the side characters that we've met Mike, Jessica, Eric, Angela, they now all sit together at lunch, even though they never have before, but they have one thing in common now, which is Bella. Everyone is super into Bella. She's not trying to be friends with you guys. I don't understand. She's like very closed off. She gives them one word answers. In in her thoughts, she's like, oh man, I wish this dude would go away and he's just trying to help me find my class. I don't, there's something about her. She's got the it factor. Like all these people are flocking Mm -hmm. to her. There's something about Bella. Our little Bella. Yeah. She starts talking about how Mike is overly friendly. He's walking her to every class. He's sitting with her. And I do think that this is another thing that's kind of relatable. I think there's two ways of reading this. You can read it as being like, wow, she's so mean. He's just being likable and being friendly. Why is she trying to get rid of him? But I also know, I think a lot of us now 
know the experience of like maybe gone on a bad date or it's just someone you don't feel a connection with and you have to like ghost them or have the conversation where you tell them you're not really interested. You know, I, I think like we've all kind of had that experience of like having a friend who's maybe just like a little too eager. Just overly helpful. Yes, but she's definitely very rude about yeah. it. <laughs> he looked like a golden retriever. <laughs> In her situation, I feel like it'd be nice to have someone who's like helping you around, like introducing yeah. you to things. But already by the second day, she's like, mm, I need to do something about Mike. <laughs> And I don't know. He just seems like a nice little boy. Right. So there's a subplot where she goes grocery shopping. Like I said, this is the stuff I like. I don't know why. I just like this. I looked it up. The Thriftway. That's a grocery store in Washington. Cool. Good to know. I, I like that that they put that in. Didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I, I do find it weird. There's like a money jar called food money. Oh, I thought he like left it on the table for her. I don't know. She said like, yeah, but it's like, I guess that makes sense. I, I just don't know why. I mean, maybe give her like a credit card. I, I don't True. know. Whatever food money Charlie jar. seems like a cash man yeah school must get out really early though because she goes to school goes grocery shopping drives home starts making dinner changes her clothes and then checks her email and it's only 4 30 oh wow what kind of time does school get out maybe school's like super early we get out of school at five and then if we had like sports practice we would get home at 6 30 we got i think we got out at, did we get out at four or was it 4 45 i feel like it was 4 45 we got out really late might have been started at eight remember in the winter we would get home and the sun had already set Yes. I mean, that is true. Like, yeah, we would have sports practice after, and I think we got out at 4.45, but, because, like, you would normally get on the buses, and the buses would leave by 5. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think that's weird. Is that right? Or did we get out at 3.45, and we got on the bus at 4? I, I don't remember. at all. I don't remember either. But e- either way, even if she, like, she must have gotten out at, like, 3. Right. I don't know why this is bothering me. I feel like her schedule was packed. I don't know. It, she the had, math well, doesn't add I, up. I wrote it down. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Seven classes, well, like including lunch. There's seven things, which is also weird. Like, wouldn't you have? Wouldn't you have four? I mean, wouldn't you have eight? Like, in, I don't know. We we always had eight yeah. or four. Wait, or did we have four and lunch? Maybe we had four classes and lunch. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. But our classes were ninety minutes. Yeah. Maybe her classes are like an hour. True. I don't know. We're nitpicking this we too much. We're like we're trying to. Does not this matter. is the content that you want. It really is. You're welcome. Analyzing Bella's schedule. So she sends some emails to and from her mom. The only one I thought was weird was just that she tells her mom. Her mom is like, hey, do you know where my pink shirt is? And Bella's like, yeah, you were supposed to pick it up from the dry cleaner Mm. on Friday. But if she came here on Sunday, shouldn't she have told her mom that on Friday when she was still living with her? You would think. But also, why is it Bella's responsibility to know where that is? Well, because her mom's hairbrain. Oh, yeah, she didn't use that word. Good use of a a Whatever. A couple mentions here of all the students wanting to to go on a beach trip. That's a thing. That's true. I do like this where she says, all in all, I was feeling more comfortable than I I had thought I would feel by this point more comfortable than I had ever expected to feel here. Oh, yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Then it snows and she gets grumpy. (laughs) And then Edward comes back. He comes back and he's being normal. Mm -hmm. He's being friendly. He's talking to her, asking her questions about her life. Asking her deep questions. And I mean, this is because it's a book about Belle and Edward. We get like full conversation between the two of them. Whereas previously, I assume that other kids had also asked her like, where'd you come from? Why are you here? Like stuff like that. But she just doesn't, we don't, we don't hear any of those conversations, I guess, because they're not important. Mm -hmm. But I assume she's said most of this stuff before. So they talk and 
and things are mostly fine. And uh, and that's it. Yeah. Then they start lab and they like they do their biology lab together and they're both super smart and they get it done faster than everyone else. Yeah. So we, we hear that she's smart. She's bad at math, but she's good at biology and English. And, and she had mentioned in the first chapter that like when she gets her reading list for English that it's all these books she's already read. And she's wondering if her mom will allow her to like send her her essays she wrote on these. I don't see why not. Shouldn't she be allowed to use her same essays? Oh, yeah. Like it, it's it's just her essays. It's not like someone else. It's else's. not plagiarism. It's just recycling. It's good for the yeah, environment. I think that's totally fine. I think <laughs> it's totally fine. Why should she have to write a new essay on the same oh, topic? Yeah. Anyway, so there's a funny line where she's talking with Mike. Mike's like, "Oh, that lab was hard," and she's like, "I didn't have any trouble with it." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "I've done it before, though." Like, it's like a mood swing. She snaps at him and then tries to be like nice about it. She's a moody little girl. Oh, that's interesting. And that's it. And then uh, and then she goes to PE and then she almost hits someone's car with her. Which brings us back to her potato count. There are several noteworthy potato incidents in chapter two. First one Mary mentioned. As she's driving away from the school, she notices Edward is looking at her from the parking lot. I swiftly looked away and threw the truck into reverse, almost hitting a rusty Toyota Corolla in my haste. It's pretty potato. She can't even drive. Her car is clumsy. Yep. Got too wigged out by the the sexy man staring at her. Had to gun it in reverse. It happens. Not really. (laughs) We had another potato moment again with volleyball. She was in gym. It was miserable because I had to play volleyball. And the one time I didn't cringe out of the way of the ball, I hit my teammate in the head with it. How? Like, okay, sure, it can happen once in your life, and that sucks. But how are you constantly injuring people in this sport? I'm, I'm, well, I'm really interested to see how many more potato counts we get throughout this. So far, through two chapters, we're up to six potato counts. Find these on our website. We'll have a page on the on our website, kowskicast.com, cow with a K, where we will have a list of the potato counts. Just go to the Twifight page. Six potatoes. That's a Thanksgiving meal. It is. We're going to include all of these. Rachel, do you have anything else you want to talk about in chapter two? I think I like that she's like not super into Edward at first. Like she's she's checking him out a lot. She's like, this man is hot. But well, sure. She notes that he's attractive. But she's like, he's kind of a jerk. And I feel weird that he was so pushy when he was like questioning me. She's like, he was aggressively curious about my life and why I moved here. And she's kind of like, this dude's weird. Like, I'm intrigued because he's different than anyone I've ever met. But like, he's a lot. He's a lot to handle. He's he's a lot to handle. She's she's made to feel suspicious by him by the fact that he is super weird to her. She's told that that's not his normal behavior. And then he tries to switch classes. And then he's gone for the next four days. So it's definitely very sketchy and there's a lot given to us about him and the other Cullens about how they're not, like there's foreshadowing that they're not completely normal but we we don't just have her instantly fawning over him like I feel like we would in other in other books. It is a bit of a, it's a slow burn like I said. Exactly. I like that realistic factor. I'll give it that. Right. I, I, I think that that goes forgotten somewhat. Mm-hmm. Just one more thing about Forks that I want to talk about is, so like I've said, I like dreariness. I like rain. I like all of those things. It's raining right now for Rachel. Mm-hmm. Does it make you feel like you're in Forks? It does. It's very fitting. It's like massively thunderstorming, yeah. which is a little different. But The universe knew I was starting this podcast today. It, yes. So one thing I did want to mention is, you know, it's set in Washington. We live in Virginia. So growing up on the East Coast, we, we obviously didn't have like Washington forests by the Pacific. But we, I did go to a place called Douthat State Park. 
And I went there in 2009, so shortly after I'd read all the Twilight books. And I went there through the summer before ninth grade. And I remember thinking that it looked exactly like how I pictured Forks to look. It rained while we were there a lot. We went on a lot of hikes while it was sort of raining and misting. Mm -hmm. And the hikes were all in these really, really green forests. I picture lots of like pine trees, like evergreen trees. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was like a little bit eerie, but a little bit beautiful. And I just wanted to like, I was kind of like a, exactly a moody kid. I, I, okay, here's the, I was not a moody kid, but I would occasionally, I was very like to myself, I was with my family a little bit more introverted. And so I would definitely, I remember, you know, being a little kid and like getting mad and just like, I would run out to the forest like, at <laughs> night, like in, in my house with like a book and, and just like sit there. Oh my God, that is so poetic. <laughs> it's like, it was just so me at the time you feel like you're all emotional, but really it's just like, you're, you know, frustrated your parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would like, I would not run away, but I would just like go hide out for a little while or whatever. I'm going to go be mad in the forest. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I don't know that I would want to live somewhere where it would rain all the time. I like to thaw out True. every once in a while and dry off, but I definitely prefer that to the hundred degree heat that we have right now. This is it's terrible. Awful. But our heat has water in it. Phoenix doesn't have water, humidity. Right. That's fair. But if you live on the East Coast, or if you live in Virginia and you want to go somewhere that re- definitely reminds me of Forks, like look up Douthat State Park. It's in the Allegheny Mountains in Virginia. Allegheny. Bath County. I don't know how to I pronounce that. If you look up images, like I'm just looking at images right now of Douthat State Park and it's like just really green. Like here, I'm going to send you this one. Oh, I always thought it was pronounced do that. <laughs> it actually might be pronounced do oh. that. I'm not sure. It's probably we, um, not. It might be pronounced do that state part. I'm not, I'm not actually sure. It's spelled D-O-U and then the word that. Every time I say it, I sort of say it differently. If you scroll down on the Google image search, if you scroll down a bit, there's like one particular shot that's like misty forest with a trail down mm-hmm. the middle. That's exactly what it looked like when that's I was there. That's so cool. And you stay in these cabins and you go hiking and it's, it's beautiful. Go. If anyone's like a, it's like kind of, not exactly glamping, like the cabin. Cabins are not, they're not fancy. It's, it's like, you know, you go inside and it's cinder right. block floors and like bunk beds. It's not, it's not fancy, but the, it's, oh, that was like my favorite trip ever. I caught and cooked my own fish. Wow. So outdoorsy. I know. I know. That's very outdoorsy. That was also a, a really memorable trip. I'm just dating myself here by saying that on that trip, I convinced my parents that when I, when we got home, I got to make a Facebook account. It was a big deal. Wow. Going into high school. I was like, Game I need changer. one. <laughs> You entered the digital world and now look at you. I know. Look at me Mm -hmm. now. And now Facebook's dead. It kind of doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, So we're going to go, yes, into just a couple more segments here. So uh, one that we want to talk about is the food count, not the potato count. So she makes food in chapter two. She makes steak, baked potatoes, and a salad. Just want to keep track of how much cooking she does because it's a lot and a lot of her food sounds really good. There's also just like a lot of notable food moments that we're going to get to in later chapters that I'm going to want to bring up. They said Charlie only knows how to make bacon and eggs. This man has lived by himself <laughs> for 16 years. Yeah. Hello? What are you eating? Okay, sorry. I'm Charlie, like, I want to hug that man. He's just like sitting in his little house. He's never changed since his wife left. Like even the picture of their marriage is still up. Like he doesn't know how to cook. He just works and comes home and watches TV. And it says they got married in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Which I find interesting. Like I, I guess that must have been, I, I don't know, was, did they meet in Forks? Like did her mom grow up in Forks? Or did they meet somewhere else? But it definitely seems like a little bit of a, a quick marriage 
marriage. Maybe like her mom was the going to Vegas was probably her mom's mm. like, idea. Like, let's be spontaneous and do something fun. Yeah. And and I think they split like re- when she was really young, like two years yeah. old or something like that. So so she's never like known her parents together, really. Yes. So let's go through this other segment that I've decided is going to be called the best line, worst line. And so I'm going to pick out the best line, I think, from these two chapters. And Rachel's going to pick out the worst line. Get it? Because <laughs> it's like pro-con. Yeah, anyway. fight. Yes. So my best line, I already have read it once, but it's actually from the preface. And it's when life offers you a dream so far beyond any of your expectations, it's not reasonable to grieve when it comes to an end. Maybe it's unhealthy. Maybe it just reminds me of myself. But I do like that line. So I'm going to put that one on here. I like that line in comparison to your line, which is if it's good. Wait, you have to say it because I already forgot. <laughs> if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, hey. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and Gracie's not that bad. Hey. <laughs> no, gravy's great. Gravy. Remember Graves? Where the gravy's oh, true. at? true. Graves Mountain. Best yeah. gravy. Best gravy. Okay. No one understood that. Worst line. This one's good. In a bad way. So it's <laughs> when they're in the cafeteria, when Edward comes back after his week of absence. This is before Edward and Bella get a chance to talk. Her friend Jessica notices that Edward is staring at her. Mm. Gossip. And Jessica's like, girl, he's staring at you. And she's looking <laughs> at him. And Bella's like, oh my God, stop. You're so embarrassing. So she tells Jessica to look away. And then she says, I raised my head enough to make sure that she did, contemplating violence if she resisted. Bella, do not hurt your new friend because she's embarrassing you in the cafeteria. Oh my goodness. What's even worse about this line is that we know just from these two chapters that Bella's not gonna, like, she's not gonna be violent toward her friend. Like, she doesn't, she's a coward. Mm -hmm. She's not gonna do this. She's not gonna even yell at Edward. She's like, oh, I contemplated saying something to him, but I make the cowardly lion look like the Terminator. (laughs) Which is another bad line. It's pretty bad. Yeah, so that that's great from chapter mm-hmm. two. Feel free to leave us your best and worst lines on, on Twitter or on the comment section of our website. Feel free to do that. Okay, so out of these two chapters, we're just going to start a ranking. And so as we go, we'll rank all of the chapters in terms of which ones we think are the best. So highest ranking, I guess number one will be the, the best chapter. We just have two here. What are your thoughts? I think I liked chapter two better because it gave us a little more backstory on Bella. Because I feel like chapter one, she's just like, I'm moving to this place, even though I don't have to and I hate it and I I hate all these people I'm meeting. She's like very, very walking a lonely road. Welcome to the Black Parade. And like you don't really get it yet. So, but then chapter two you start to understand like, okay, she wanted to do this for her mom. There's definitely better character development of her. I will say the thing I like about chapter one is that we do get the introductory scene to the Cullens, which I I think is interesting. But it is is a lot of setup, a lot of preamble in chapter one. They're about the same Mm length-ish. Both like 20, 25 pages-ish. Mm-hmm. So I could go either way on this. Yeah, there's more meat in chapter two. Mm-hmm. I like the conversation with Edward in chapter two as well. In chapter two. Yeah. So I think that's fine. So, okay. So we're going to have chapter two is currently in first place and chapter one is in second place. Awesome. All right. That's, that's the first two chapters, everybody. It's, it's really exciting, you know? Yeah. Thanks for coming along on this ride. Relive on this ride. Twilight with us. Right. There was a lot of backstory here, a couple tangents. There may or may not be more of that as we go along. Tell us tell us what you like about this format. When you don't, we can we can mix things up. I am, I'm excited. Excited to start this new journey. I'm personally really excited to reread Twilight. I've been, I don't know, hankering for some melancholy or something. <laughs> Is that the phrase? When you're hankering for a melancholy? 
with your head <laughs> for some melancholy. Yeah. So I, I just think that it's, you know, it's it's such a thing from my teenage years and my preteen years that I just want to, I guess not preteen. I was probably, how old are you in seventh grade? Like 12, 13? Mm-hmm. I guess that is preteen. <laughs> Whatever. It's uh, fun. I'm curious to see how well it aged. I think probably the last time I read this was when I was in college, maybe. I'm not sure. So it's been at least, I don't know, six years probably since yeah. I've read it. It's been man, I'm old. over 10 years for me. So I'm I'm on this ride right now. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be a fun mm-hmm. trip. All right, everyone. So feel free to send us any questions and comments to our website or on our Twitter at KowskiCast. That is Cal with a K. The website is also KowskiCast.com. You can follow me online everywhere at Frail Mary to check out each episode as we post it. And you can follow Rachel on Twitter at Stukin. That's S-T-U-U-U, three U's, K-E-N. So follow Rachel as well to get all of this wonderfulness. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love if you shot us a five-star rating on iTunes. It's the best way for people to find our shows in the future. That's right. Definitely do that. All right. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for our reread of chapters three and four. Do your homework. Read read along with us. Don't read the last sentence, though. Big spoiler. (laughs) Or do read it. Also, don't forget to tweet your answers to the trivia contest. You could win that poster. (laughs) I'm offering up your poster. I've done it three times. I'm so sorry. You may or may not get the poster. No, if someone someone tweets the answers that we already gave the answers to in this chat, (laughs) in this podcast, but if someone if someone tweets me or DMs me the answers to the trivia question, you can have the poster. <laughs> I'll find it. I'll even sign it for oh, you. <laughs> I won't. We don't live in the same state, but it's okay. We'll get one signature. All right. For now, we're the Kowski cast. Thanks for listening, Twihards and fellow haters. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Perfect. Every morning when I wake up, I ask myself if I'm team. Okay, I'm going to come up with something that's going to be perfect. Okay. Really excited to hear what you come okay. up with. <laughs> <laughs> What's like the Twilight fandom? What's it called? I think they're called the Twihards.